Do you ever wish your dancers would focus more on individual growth rather than being the best? I know many dancers who only found success in the win or in being the best one in the room when I know they could go so much further in their dance career and actually enjoy their success if they defined it differently. So for this episode, I brought in Erin Mansky because she has a really unique background and take on dance team, and she developed a way to bring a little objectivity into our sport without losing the artistry. So before we dive in, I want to share a little bit about Erin. I mentioned her unique background. She used this background in research and data analysis combined with her dance training to build a skills tracking app called the tier system. The tier system helps coaches build the best possible team by bringing data and statistics into the dance team world. Through the tier system, Erin has helped coaches across the country improve consistency, transparency, and equity in their coaching while empowering their dancers to be more motivated, independent, and intentionally focused on team culture. So throughout our conversation today, we talk about her new app. We cover some of the challenges many of us face, like motivating our dancers and building their confidence. And Erin even shares an exercise she does with her team to help them build trust and confidence in each other that I know you're going to enjoy. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, me too. I've been looking forward to our recording for a bit. So really happy to be here, Chelsea. Absolutely. So we got to know each other kind of through this dance business world, but I have loved watching your Tears System business grow. So will you just take a second, introduce yourself and your business to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny when I first had the idea to turn the tier system into a business. You're one of the first people that I thought of to kind of run the idea by. So you you really came in as as one of the first people that heard about it. But yeah, I'm Erin Mansky. I have uh, been coaching for a long time. This is my thirteenth season, I think, and I have a background in research and statistics. And I I wanted to, like, as I was kind of coming into my own as a coach, figure out a way that I could help my dancers grow, manage their skill sets, bring in sort of like the, the analytics and the stats from the traditional like sports world and give our sport uh, more of an elevated platform. Um, and at the same time, I was doing a lot of like juvenile justice work around Um, How do we reframe probation models and how do we bring adolescent brain development research and motivational research into systems that we build for kids? And it it just came really organically to kind of marry the two and build out a system on the same principles for dance. And I think that's why I'm so, I was so attracted to it because it's like the researcher in me and the statistician, I'm like, this is so cool. And it's so hard to be objective. Dance is not objective, but I think it's a way to like, you're not getting rid of the art. You're that that's still in, there's so much artistry right. to it. It's just, can we find a way to help? Like you said, it's the motivation part and the tracking and the goals. That's so powerful for the dancers. Yeah. I think you, you maybe hit on like two things. One, one is just having a platform 
that exists in general to do specific things. And if you want like an app or if you want a software to be able to do something, you have to be able to tell the computer what you want it to do. So on one hand, I had to figure out like what variables go into making a strong dancer and making a good team so that we could quantify and build an app based off of those variables. The second piece that you said is more around like the artistry and being objective and, and what does that intersection of artistry and objectivity look like and how do you be more objective without compromising artistry? And I think that's been a really tricky balance um, for our industry to find. Yes, absolutely. And I think we can talk in detail about tiers and what it is because it is incredible. So hang on, we will get there for sure for everybody listening. But I want to hear more about like why creating something that has this objectivity, creating a way to um, you know, be more objective in dance has been, where did that come from for you to have that drive to create this app? Yeah, there, there was a moment in my coaching where I was cutting dancers from my team. I want to say this was maybe year like five or six. I was cutting dancers from the team, cutting dancers from our routine, and they would look at me and say like, okay, what can I do? Or why didn't I make this routine? And saying to them, like, you're just not ready yet, or you need to improve turns. And it was really challenging to watch those dancers kind of internalize, like, from their perspective, they're hearing you're not good enough. And they're hearing it on a personal level, not here's a checklist of skills that you can improve. Here's the progressions to do it. I'm happy to support you through it. And so I was feeling like this emotional burden of coaching that like you don't want to hurt these young girls, especially um, girls who are navigating so much right now. And not be. I felt like I wasn't able to give them anything concrete to help them come back stronger. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely wanted to like on one hand solve a problem for myself as a coach, which was like, how do I make really clear decisions that aren't emotionally driven and that will help lead my team to success? And then second, from for for dancers, I wanted to give them some type of platform that laid out those clear expectations and kind of like built like I guess a ladder for them so they could climb as high as they want to really independently. And then the third piece was sort of like team management and strategy. I don't know if Chelsea, when you were coaching, if it was like this, but sometimes I struggle. I have a team currently that fluctuates between 30 and 40 dancers and managing all of their skills as they're getting new skills over the summer, knowing who has what, which side was that aerial on, who can do, and then trying to put that strategically into a routine is challenging. So I wanted some way of organizing everything and being able to like be really strategic in our choreography. Yes. Oh, well, so the truth of it is I didn't manage that well. It was like choreo day. And I was like, who has that better on the right or the left? Or who can do this again? I don't know. I was not good at that. We'll just say that. <laughs> but I think those two pieces are so amazing because as a coach, you're right. I want to make decisions that are based in like fact and true skill and not just based on my emotional I, don't, I'm, I am an emotional person. <laughs> I am one who's driven by my heart first, but it's so helpful to have the data in front of you to be able to say like, this dancer has grown so much in his or her skills over the summer. This dancer has really, you know, has gained these skills and having a way to make those good decisions. And then having the 
like you said, that checklist for the dancer of exactly this is what you need to do. And I think, you know, studio world, school teams, any of it, we so often say like, oh, you're not ready yet. Or, you know, you are, you get the apprentice role or you get, you know, you don't get the lead. Like you have all those things, but there's not really a why. We very rarely like give them a solid explanation. And it's so nice to have a system that's like, here's exactly this types of skills that would help you the next time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the dancers really appreciate being brought into the conversation too, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. They, the dancers want to know, and especially when we're talking mostly like middle school, high school, college age, like if we can bring them into why we're making the decision and they know exactly what they need to do, then that just is one of the biggest motivation boosts instead of saying, oh, I didn't get it. Okay. Then forget it. It's like, no, I didn't get it, but here's the three things I need to do. Oh, okay. I can do that. Like I know what's in front of me. Exactly. So how did this transition happen then for you from dancer to owning a business? I think um, it was really organic for me. So I, I danced competitively in high school and then in college, my freshman year, I got a job as a head varsity coach for a local high school team. So I started coaching right out the gate at 18. Um, And then, as I mentioned, maybe year like five or six, I started kind of playing around with what does at the time it there wasn't a name for it, but what does a platform like this look like? Um, And then my team started being really successful. Um, And as I coached different teams around the state, there was kind of this pattern that we had something really special in this system. And then, you know, this, the neighboring school district was like, Hey, I noticed that, you know, this system's working really well for you. Are we able to buy it or how did you build it? Um, so the next step, I started just building out systems, tier systems for teams that were local um, or competing against my own team. And then it kind of took off from there. So many people were interested that I was like, okay, this needs to be an app or a software, you know, something that any other coach can pick up and, and use. So it was, it was really organic and, and not what I expected my trajectory to be. Yes. Well, that's the best though, because you're, you, you're coming at it from a place of service where I think we're used to yeah. some people in our industry being like, oh, I figured out this thing. Now we're successful. I have to hold on to it. And instead you said, I found this, I created this thing and it's helping. Let me share it and create. Yeah. You know, I think that's exactly right. Like I didn't set out to say like, okay, I'm going to make money doing this thing. I set out to say like, I have been coaching for a while. I need to solve this problem that I have. And I came at it from like a, how can I build something that solves problems angle? Um, and and I, yeah, exactly. Bring others along and, and share something that works. I think dance coaches in particular are, are good at helping others through the muck. Um, there is a lot that goes into our sport. So the more we can help, help each other, I think the better. Absolutely. I'm all about community. You know that. Yep. <laughs> uh, being that I always come from like the psychology side and the mindset side is can you share a little bit how you think mindset plays into your work, even though your work is more like it's data and it's numbers driven, but how is that mindset playing that for you? Yeah. Mindset is, is everything. Um, I find that I approach work and life with a couple of assumptions that I keep at 
the forefront, whether it's my dancing or my coaching or my business or whatever it is. Um, I kind of, I think I've narrowed it down to three really core assumptions. And one is that when I approach working with people, I keep it at the front of my mind that every single person wants to be understood. So there is some like core need for everybody to feel connected and understood to the people around them. Um, And the second assumption that I keep in mind is that every single person wants to do a good job at whatever they're doing. So like no one's walking around being like, how can I do an awful job at my job today? Like if something's going wrong, it's, it's not typically intentional. And then the third thing that I, keep in the front of my mind is that there, I truly believe there is a role for every single person and there is a way for everybody to be successful. So I guess um, I, I think that it's important to note that success doesn't come at the expense of inclusivity. Hmm, yeah. So if you're doing things in the right way, there's there's a role to plug everybody in where they feel valued, they can be successful, and everybody around you can be successful too. Yeah. Those are both so powerful. I like that they're everyday life, like your business, but they're also coaching and it's also just life yeah. in general. They don't have to be unique and different approaches. Yeah, I think I think so too. And I actually I talked to my team about it. Like, what are you walking into the room assuming? And it takes a little bit of coaxing, but some of the things that they've talked about is like, they're worried that people are judging them or they're worried that someone doesn't like them. And like, it carries really heavy, heavy things. Like when you bring that kind of, um, I guess, energy into the room, I think that there's something about coming from a place of wanting to understand, wanting to help others and wanting to help everybody find their role in group success is really important. Yeah. Oh, I think everybody finding your role is a huge part of how we can help these younger dancers, helping them understand no matter how old you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter, you know, what level of dancer and like what team you're on, it's, you have a role and that's the team dynamic part is so valuable. Absolutely. And that carries outside of dance as well. Like dance team is a good place to practice what your role is on the team and explore different roles on the team. But I think once you find what you love to do and how you enjoy contributing, that's what you take with you into life and how you choose your job or how you choose how you spend your day. Right. So did you have some of this similar mindset and approach as a dancer or are there things you would have done differently during the dancer phase? Oh, Chelsea. Um, I, (laughs) I did not have a similar approach as a dancer. I was like very stereotypical perfectionist mindset dancer. Mm-hmm. My team, uh, we won two back-to-back state titles, two back-to-back national titles, and I wasn't happy about it. I was relieved. There wasn't one ounce of joy when they called our name. It was just relief. Um, and I struggle when I see dancers that have that same mindset because there's no joy, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think that had I let joy in, I wouldn't have been less talented. We wouldn't have like changed our course at all. I just would have been happier doing the things I was doing. Yes. Uh, and I think there's so much perfectionism and I was totally some of that dancer too. That, But that's really powerful to realize that it was just relief. And I think 
that's a powerful thing to think about as a dancer. Like if you, if you achieve a skill for the first time, if you get a place that you were excited about, you know, if you win something, what is your core emotion when that happens? And do you just feel relief? Then there's some deeper mindset stuff to think through because there should be genuine like joy and gratitude. And if that's not there, you're, you're piling on something else before you got to that win that's hurting you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think team culture plays into that too, because there weren't those little celebrations on my team growing up. It wasn't, hooray, you got any new skill or yes, we hit this clean section. It was just grind, grind, grind. And it really, it was really challenging for me to navigate. And I think also contributed to like a little bit of an, another problem that I think is common amongst dancers that have trained for a while. Um, And I was really embarrassed to be a beginner at anything. So if I was learning a new style or trying a new trick and I wasn't one of the top dancers in the hardest group, I would be so embarrassed. And I'm sure that there's more to unpack on a whole different podcast, Chelsea. (laughs) Um, Looking back, those are probably the two things that I wish I had a different mindset. That was the amount of pressure I put on myself and like not being okay in a like learning type of space. Yes. Uh, If I could, I agree. I I struggled in that learner space or if I didn't get a role I thought I should have had or, you know, that it's like, I I didn't always approach it as I wish I did now. And I think maybe that's what a lot of us feel like where we've started to create businesses as adults to help support these dancers because it's not how we were. (laughs) And we, I definitely had that. It's such an interesting thing to be embarrassed when you're not the best in the room or when you're not in that top group. And I'm like, where? And I get it. And I was totally there. And I bet there's people listening like, yep, get it. <laughs> but why Why do we do that to ourselves? Uh, we need to be better. Yeah. Like who's ever tried something and had it? And, and it's like excellent, right? Like I was thinking like the first video I ever edited or the first like meal I cooked, like it's all trash at the beginning. So who cares? <laughs> you know? Yes. The learning is okay. Be okay with the learning process. Absolutely. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about confidence. So, you know, we've talked about how you used to feel embarrassed or struggle with that perfectionism, but now you've clearly transitioned and look at life differently. Uh, do you have advice for, you know, when you need a little confidence boost when you're feeling like you're not enough? I think that's something that's changed a lot for me is the concept of having a safety net and what that safety net looks like. Um, I think when I was younger, I felt like if I took a risk and it didn't go well, I would lose it all, lose my reputation, lose my friends, lose everything you could think of. And as I've gotten older and been in different positions where I'm leading groups or leading teams, thinking about intentionally building up a safety net so that me and the other people around me feel good taking those risks has been really important. So when I think about like my team, we talk so much about communication and every single time that they're communicating with each other, communicating with me, we're adding another rope to our safety net so that they can take big dance risks. And if they fall, they've got this net that's going to catch them. And it it makes the risk go from scary to exciting, if that makes sense. 
I love that metaphor of a safety net that you're, you're actually creating that net by building yeah. those connections. Yeah. We, we, t- we actually like model it out in practice for the first couple of weeks. And I think coming out of COVID season, when so many dancers are used to being on Zoom and not, you know, having to be face-to-face or not having to respond back to a teacher, we had some like really silent practices and really timid dancing. And I'm like, whoa, pause. What do we need to do in order to get you guys to feel really comfortable taking risks? And and it was, it was that safety net piece. And I think about it in my own life as well. I think I'm a lot more comfortable taking risks now because I have such a strong support system mm-hmm. around me um, with like you or Katie or like other people in this weird niche industry that understand, you know, if you make a mistake or if you're a beginner and just learning how to, you know, like edit a video or use iMovie, you know, whatever you're doing, like it just feels a lot safer to know that other people have been there and that not being excellent doesn't mean that you're not good. Yes. That's so true. And I I think we're all trying a lot of things for the first time, even, you know, and I, yeah. if we're constantly learning and growing, I'm like, well, there's the first time I've tried that. So it's the first time I've ever done this. And it, like you said, it's never going to be great the first time, but you got to start You have to try and modeling that for our dancers is awesome. But I love that, uh, like tangible, try that with your team, school team, studio groups, like talking to them about the safety net and building connections. And when you do this, do you physically play it out? Like, will you explain a little bit how people can try this? Yeah. Um, so the, I think there's two activities that are really tangible that you could do in practice. One is the safety net thing. And I put up a blank poster board and I was like, this is our net right now. There's no ropes, nothing. If you jump, you are falling into lava. Um, and then every time we have like a good like communication or every time the dancers correct each other, yell out something to help the other one, I put up with a Sharpie a line and then another line across and another line across and start drawing out what this like net or spider web would look like. And then after a couple of weeks, they see all of the lines on the poster board and they're feeling more connected. So I think that they can, they can feel it, but also seeing that visual really helps. And then when they do feel scared, to have that center spot or to try a new trick that they haven't tried before, they can sort of visualize that net and say like, I'm okay. Even if I fall, this team's got me. Yes. That is such a powerful image. I love that because they do, being able to see it, like you said, it's, it's the culminating over multiple weeks. It's not just, okay, now you can trust us because it's, we had a good day. It's like, no, we're adding to this by our small behaviors every day. Yeah. I think um, another exercise that we do when the team is is feeling down, and I do this in my personal life too, but I brought it to the team, is to like, you know, the saying, look for the helpers. There's always somebody willing to help and support if, if you're looking for them. So we go around in a circle with a notebook and you have to write down the name and say it out loud of somebody that has supported you this season and you can't duplicate. And we go around and around everything from the janitor to the moms that rhinestone to the person that packed our rhinestones to, you know, like every single detail. And suddenly you have 40, 50 people that go into making your season happen or making your hard practices happen. 
And instead of the team feeling like it's them against the world, they suddenly feel like the whole world and community around them is lifting them up to make these things happen for them. And it's a huge mindset shift um, yeah. for them. That's really powerful. I like that. So both of those are such great ideas, which is why I asked you to come speak at my Confident Dancer Summit because you have so many great ideas to share. So now I have to take a second and just share that with everybody that we have um, I have a summit coming up. Uh, if you're listening to this live, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. It is the first weekend of August, August 6th of 2021. Erin's going to be a speaker to share uh, some more ideas about uh, treating dancers fairly. So it's I'm really excited to have that coming up soon and to have you speak, Erin, and to share more about fairness and, like you said, bringing the, your data background into it where you have such a cool connection between the the data and the stats side and the the dancer part. Yeah, I think that that workshop in particular, it's about fairness and favoritism and why as a coach, when you're going out of your way to try to be fair, it can sometimes be perceived still as favoritism by your dancers. Yeah. So I, I took a bit of like the research side of different types of fairness and how they work out mathematically to the, the first section of the workshop teaches dance coaches a little bit about like the types of fairness and then why and how dancers see favoritism and then what you can do to avoid it. So by the end of the workshop, coaches are able to recognize the two different types of fairness, feel really comfortable, like leading a conversation about fairness and favoritism with their team. Um, and then also reflect on common coaching habits around favoritism. And I, I think that like a key takeaway from that workshop is that you can only provide as much opportunity as you plan for, and you don't know what you don't know. So unless you're able to kind of get in and do the work, your dancers will continue to see fairness from a coaching standpoint as favoritism. So that workshop should give coaches the tools to be able to kind of tease that out. Yes. And to all of you, I have seen it and it is so good and I'm excited to share with everybody. So uh, keep that in mind. If you're interested, the summit is free. There's 15 speakers. It's uh, You can find it at theconfidentdancersummit.com. I'll link it up in the show notes. Come and join us. It's going to be a great time. But I wanted to get to one last kind of topic before we wrap up today, Erin, um, talking about success, because I think your app and how you track progress is like one way to think about success that might be different than um, a lot of dancers like to think about it. Like we're so stuck in success being this external reward based on, you know, winning or judges comments or getting certain roles. And so will you talk a little bit about your view of success? What makes a dancer successful? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that because I think this might've been a key difference when I was competing in high school like we talked about that that drive to win and that unless we were winning state winning nationals I was not happy in any way and I think that's because my frame of success was to be on the best team and I wish that someone had taught me how to reframe success and define it differently so I, I think that's a big shift happening in our industry right now is changing from having to be perfect to how much can you grow. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that the the app does really visually is tracks progress in a line graph over time. So dancers can see their scores moving up. They can see 
a, a visual of a bar going up after their hard work. And you can set team goals or individual goals in the app that have to do with growth. So thinking about turns, for example, instead of saying, okay, everybody has to have a solid double, it would be reframing that into everybody adds one rotation to their current turn set. So dancers that are working on singles, their goal is a double. Dancers that are working on doubles, their goal is a triple. And everybody's definition of success is different, but the same in that it's one level up. And I I think that's why the psychologist in me loves this so much, because it is framing success individually and within your control, right? So I think we used to say, especially with like strength training stuff or like not everybody should be lifting the same weights. Not everybody should be challenging themselves at the same level of cardio training. Not everybody, you said it should be working on the same rotations and turns. And so finding a way to help track success as measured through individual growth is such a cool message that we can continue to give our dancers that, and then when everybody levels up, well, then of course that's what happens to the team. The team is going to be that much more successful because everyone is leveled up. Yeah. I think, I think it also helps dancers that are technically more advanced, see the value and appreciate the work that the more beginner dancers are doing because success suddenly isn't them being the best. It's the work that goes into leveling up and the work that goes into the growth. So it it helps everybody be on a more equal playing field, even though their technical skills may be vastly different. Yes. I love that. So will you, uh, let's just make sure we wrap up by explaining exactly what that tier system is and the app and how we can find you and how do people find out more about it? Yeah. So the app is a platform for dancers and for coaches. So there are different logins for dancers, different logins for coaches, and it comes pre-populated with a skills list that's appropriate for your state. So if you're in Wisconsin, the list is going to be different for Minnesota. We make sure it's all compliant. And then you can track your dancers' growth and progress through that skills list and all of the skills progressions. And it gives you really helpful tools to be able to manage those um, dancers and their skills. For example, you could type in right aerial and it'll give you a quick list of who has their right aerial. Or you could type in kicks and it'll give you a list of all of the different types of kicks and who can do which type. So you don't have to write a million post-it notes and try to remember who has what and which side. Everything is really right there for you. Um, And for the dancers that are wanting to grow and the coaches that are wanting their dancers to send in videos and get feedback, they can do all of that right through the app. So the dancers can see the skills that they're still working on and they can just upload a video right to the app. It goes to you as a coach, and then you can provide feedback right there and send it back to them. So it's kind of a one-stop shop, whether you want to manage skills for choreo, help your dancers with their development, and have a place for everybody to be on the same page with expectations. So there's no drama, no gray area. um, And it just, it takes the emotional burden off of those like challenging decisions we were talking about earlier. Yes. Oh, anything to help that emotional burden. I, yeah, yeah, it's so much. So we can find it at thetearsystem.com. How else can people find you and check it out? Instagram at thetearsystem, at our website, like you just mentioned, or email me at thetearsystem at gmail.com. And, you know, I really 
like to connect with coaches. So whether it's about the the app itself or about any of the things that we talked about on the podcast, get in touch, um, email or DM or whatever. And I'm happy to hop on a Zoom and just expand more on any of these topics or talk through what's happening in their season. And then if they want to see the app, I can pop a demo on the screen. But I think the connection is the most important thing. Which is why you and I have connected because we approach this from the same place of like, let's continue to serve and connect and help. And so I can vouch and say Erin absolutely stands by what she just said. Like she will be there for you if you have questions. So reach out. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and advice today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Chelsea.